The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Food for Thought. Got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Mark. I'm calling today's show, Carrie, Biden's Burden of Build Back Better. Uh. So, are we going to have this infrastructure part one and part two? I, I don't know if it's going to get done or not. We're Do you taping think, this. Though, yeah, I don't know what kind of monster it is or what kind of BS is in it. I don't know. Or what kind of burden it's going <laughs> to place on U.S. taxpayers. Hmm. Why do they always have to do big? Like, can't they do things in pieces and parts and very specific? Not the Democrats. Ugh. They don't care they about go the consequences. Big. This is Biden's new big deal. Regardless of the consequences. Well, I can tell you one person who thinks it may be the biggest fiscal con job in U.S. history. Mm. That's Steve Hankey, right? The, the renowned economic economist out of uh, John Hopkins. Okay. I mean, just he's won so many economic awards. You know, I, I think at one time he was like one of the most influential people in the oh, world. Oh, well, maybe uh, maybe people need to listen to him. Okay, so let's listen to him. Bottom line is it means that the House of Representatives will add $3.5 trillion of extra money to the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill and you'll have a monster of about five trillion dollars in spent didn't you just use the word monster Kerry? yeah i use some other words he used it Beast. too I... that we're talking about so that's that's the reason i think it's a fiscal con job the likes of which i've never observed in the united states before Right. And so to that point, you know, because you've highlighted this in your notes as well, talking about the cost overruns and the execution delays and how that would just take the bill. Not that we ever have cost overruns in the <laughs> U.S. government, do we, Carrie? No, they're they're not very fiscally responsible. So he's going to tell us what he thinks the five trillion would really be. Do you want any guesses on what Mr. What Hankey, it's going to cost us, you're saying, in the... In truly. If, uh-huh. if they do get the five trillion, not that the five, I don't what think is the it five trillion. cost us? In other words, if the government says it's five trillion, what do you think the real cost is? Probably double that. Okay, so let's listen to this. This is my guess. Uh, I don't believe anything. I, uh, uh, what would the total number look like? I mean, in terms of past experiences, what do you think the cost overruns would look like? And why has that not been factored in as of now? Hmm. Well, I think, let, let us assume, Amber, that the thing goes to the House, it, it has it has reconciliation, it ends up at, at $5 trillion. The, the real cost of that, you'd have to multiply that by three. So three. It's going to be All right, I said two. Trillion. And the reason for that is something called excess burden. Yep. And the excess burden is the result of the fact that there is a burden associated with collecting a dollar's worth of tax in the United States, and that burden amounts to about $3 for every dollar that actually is collected. So so you have a monster facing the United States. It, 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 it really is a total underestimate of what the burden actually will be. It'll well, be something. okay. So, Biden's burden of build back better, Carrie. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, is this 
what's the deal? Was it the 1.2 or what's the additional 3.5? You know, everybody's heard about this now, right? Right. I don't want to get into it, you know, but it is, you know, what's in it? Um, BS. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, I guess if they would just put the, you know, they say we're going to address these concerns and then no, we have to throw all this meaningless stuff in that just costs taxpayer dollars that really isn't what it's for. Same thing with the. Right. Well, the bipartisan, okay, $110 billion for roads and bridges. Okay, that's what we all mean by infrastructure. Right, that should be. Then another $39 billion for public transit, and then $66 billion for railways. I just don't get the Democratic's infatuation with rail, Gary. Right. Well, maybe because I, I you, just don't get it. Maybe they're thinking truck drive. Well, you still I, I need know, truck I guess they driver. don't want us driving combustible engine, you know, automobiles we anymore. Need truck drivers. I mean, and still? Most of, how do you get them? Don't from? most Americans like driving their own car to work? I, I'm just, I do. Am I going on a limb there? I think so. But apparently, they're doing everything they can so we don't do that. Mm. Gas prices too. I mean, it's sixty-six <laughs> billion for railways. And twenty five billion for airports. I thought the airports is what we wanted to get, you know, mm-hmm. spruced up, right? Because we're going to be flying, not taking Amtrak. I, I just don't get it. Um, Seven half billion for uh, first ever network charging station for electric vehicles. There you go, Carrie. Uh, Twenty one billion to respond to environmental concerns like pollution. I guess. Uh, $73 billion to modernize America's energy grid. I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, you know, so, but rather than talking, and that's just the 1.2, I don't know idea what's in the three and a half. Okay. I mean, the, the 1.2 is only 2,700 pages that we got to read. You think they're all going to read that either? Um, but what's no. not in, Carrie? So, okay, maybe I just want to talk about this, what's not in infrastructure one or two and that would be the fourth stimulus check i know that you know and i don't care that 2.6 million people have signed a petition saying they want a fourth stimulus check gary that's not how it gets done i don't care if i want to win the lottery too yeah, but in the reality I, I, there's yeah. a cost every time you yeah, do well, that. i'm sure if you ask if you want to win the lottery 100 million people oh, would say yes so uh, it, I've seen so many articles about, oh, the fourth stimulus check, uh, check on the way because 2.6 million people said they want it. Well, guess what? Maybe that 2.6 million, um, there's a lot of people hiring. You could always get a job and get stimulus checks all the time or get a check all the time. You know, so, um, okay, student loan debt forgiveness is not in either infrastructure one or infrastructure okay. two. Okay, which it shouldn't be if it's infrastructure. I dis- I should think it should not be there. And there's a little debate right now. Uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi upset her own, you know, left party when she came out and said, well, really, guys, President Biden doesn't have the power to eliminate student loan debt. Oh, did the left not like to hear that? But that's true. Not according to the progressives left. Okay. Well, just executive order. He can do it. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't know if if the kids need to be cashing those checks yet. Um, So and what do we don't know what's in it? Okay, Cryptocurrency. Okay, is that infrastructure? No. Well, it's an interesting thing. There 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 was, um, you know, there was. we had this it was it was a situation where they're trying to regulate the crypto and he can't even call it a currency okay because it's not a currency that's the problem it's an asset uh, and the IRS and the federal government is saying well if you're buying and sell, selling let's say bitcoin you may have to pay capital gains just okay. like you would a stock or something but there is really no procedure in place for anyone to report to the government what you bought it for because the whole point about the crypto is that it's off the charts right that's kind of the deal the name of it maybe um and so and of course the federal reserve is trying to come up with their own you know cashless currency but who knows when that's going to get done so in the meantime 
you you know we thought that so apparently we, we were we were getting information that there was going to be provisions in the in the uh in the infrastructure one not even you know the one that's got the bipartisan support right um and the, the original bill uh, would require entities like miners and software developers to report tax data to the Internal Revenue Service that they didn't have access to. The chain, but then the change was proposed, um, you know, by Pat Toomey, uh, our own Rob Portman, and some others. Um, but apparently, in the midnight hour, it, it was yanked around, and and we're not really sure of the status. You know, is there going to be this these provisions in there or are there not going to be? And I just wonder if the crypto lobbying put any money. Did they grease any palms, you think? Mm. Uh, so we don't know uh, if if that if the if the crypto is, is going to be in it. And the other thing we really don't know is whether there's going to be provisions in there to stop the mega IRAs. From mm-hmm. developing, okay, because we, I've been talking about that. Right, right? I talked about that la- la- last show, and I'm talking a little bit more of that today. And this this whole uh, commotion over, you know, the Lord of the Ross, Peter Thiel, who, you know, earth shattering news when he report when they leaked his personal information and said he's got five billion dollars in a Roth IRA after making a two thousand dollar contribution. And that shouldn't be allowed. And there's too much money in IRAs. And the and the idea that how many millions of Americans have over five million in IRAs. So there's all this. You well, know, yeah, the government gets money from the IRAs when they disperse it, not Roth IRAs. But and, it's too much, isn't the government's to say how much money you have? And yeah, they would rather have that instead of the multi-billionaires and millionaires right. having that money tax deferred, and even though they're going to get RMD, right. they would rather have that money and disperse it to the the under the people who don't have as much wealth. Right. But how can they say if I earn my money, that's my money. I understand the government will tax me higher because I have more, but who are you to, I guess it's, you, it's, it's, it's crossing a well, line. We don't know exactly how they would stop it, but the idea now we're hearing is that there's only a certain amount you can have in those plans. Now who's going to decide that? Right. I was going to say, Oh, I think it might affect some people in Congress. Um, Cause so. they're pretty wealthy. So anyway, so we don't know. So I'm not sure if any of these infrastructure deals are going to get done. Um, I still think there will be something done. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Carrie, so do you want to get us? Yeah, so started? certainly the another reason for people to be concerned with government spending and how that's eventually going to impact inflation, market volatility, future spending, um, and tax increases down the road. And it's important to be as proactive about your financial life, whether you're still working or you're someone who's in retirement, there are steps and strategies you should be using and things you can do um, to protect your long-term financial stability and use the opportunities while we still have them. And it's um, what we do where you're listening to financial food for thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 between nine and 10. And we're a financial educational program sponsored by the estate planning team, which is an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been around more than 35 years. And what we do is the financial modeling of things that you're concerned about and helping people know what steps they should take. How much should you put in your traditional um, company plan or IRAs or Roth 401ks or Roth plans so that you're in a better position when you need wages end? How do you take that money out as tax efficiently as possible? If you're in retirement, you're before, whether you're before minimum required distributions or at, should you be looking at Roth conversions while you can? Um, what opportunities um, are you worried about future tax increases? Are you worried about spending? Certainly people, we have clients, you know, coming in and we're doing redoing their financial model. And we have people saying, hey, I want, I um, talked to a couple, they recently retired and they're saying we used They wanted us to run their plan very conservative and realistic. They had us originally use 4% on day-to-day living expenses. You're talking about inflation. Inflation, I mean. And we used 5% on their health care, which they want that bumped up now, too. Um, 
and they're saying, hey, just to be, I'd like to see a plan. It's been a couple of years. Can you run that day-to-day inflation in 2022 and 2023 at 7% just for those couple of years and drop it back to four? Can you bump the health care up to seven or eight? for those couple of years and then drop it back to five. You know, does that change some of the things that we're thinking about doing? Cause they're thinking about remodeling and gifting to their kids and setting up five twenty nine for grandkids. And they don't know if inflation could have impact that. Right. So we've seen a lot of inflation data come out. In fact, we had um, the CPI come out this week here, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that, but the point, I, yeah, when, when, you're talking about what should you do of what future inflation on health insurance, let's say, because that's always one that we've been talking to clients going into uh, retirement, especially mm-hmm. if they're going into retirement before age 65 Medicare eligibility, right? That, yeah, have you create, have you built in a conservative realistic budget for health insurance? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and on the other side of the coin too, Carrie, there's a lot of, People who say I can't retire until sixty-five because, because of the health care reason because, alone. Because I have to wait for Medicare, which is cheaper than getting health insurance if I'm under sixty-five and not working by and covered by an employer plan. Or you know, so that what we haven't though really seen is what inflation factors are happening with health insurance. So we kind of know, we saw some of the beach ball bounce. We saw lumber go way up and lumber's way down again. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we saw used cars go way up. Now right. used cars are way down again. And, I don't know about way down. Well, according to the latest CPI, okay. they're way down. Uh, the, in other words, and that's what the CPI report showed right. this week. It showed that the acceleration of inflation is declining. Okay. So it's not saying, and it's not, and that's what Fed Chair um, Powell has been saying all along. He's saying, "Yeah, we're going to have inflation," and and a lot of it though is transitory, meaning that it's not the acceleration that we're seeing isn't going to stay, keep going. Right. But I know going to the grocery store every week, hmm, I don't see that dropping down. I see prices going up. The the uh, yeah, if, if if that's Chuck Reddick, Carrie, I'm not here. Okay. Um, but the, the, if so, but what we haven't seen is health insurance premiums. So for example, we know social security, right. The cost of living is going to be a probably over 6%. It'll be probably one of the highest social security cost of living oh, increases yeah. ever. Okay. But we don't know how much Medicare is going up. Hmm. Might be going up a little bit more than we thought. That means I would guess if, if Social Security's going up by six percent, Medicare is probably going to be going up more. Would be my guess. And and so we and usually the the Medicare trustees release that information around Thanksgiving. Um and and you know but now some of the pundits will try to guesstimate it. Mm-hmm. Now the other thing that's happening is usually around July is when the big health insurance providers start releasing next year's increases to give a heads up to everyone. Right. But Carrie, looking at those, it's all across the board. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen, you know, quotes as low as, you know, low single digits, two, 3%. I've seen quotes in high double digits, 28, 30%. In other words, this is what the, the the companies are going to the state saying these are the type of increases we need, right? Because the state's insurance comp, you know, departments have some subsidy, you know, have something to say about right. that, right? Um, and then so I guess the consensus is high single digits to low double digits. Now, so what I, do you do? Pick I, something in the middle again? You, you know, so we don't know, but we should be getting those. So that's one of the things what we're saying is that when you're doing financial planning, yeah, you 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 know you run Plan A, which is what you think may happen, but when reality changes one of your assumptions, that you know how to go back in and manipulate your plan to get more real. So we're going to be keeping our eyes on what the health insurance, because that's a big number in retirement, mm-hmm. what you're going to be paying for health insurance or what you should and be And even budgeting. bigger if you're before 65, 
you know, that's what we model in. Um, that's what we do at the estate planning team and have been, been doing for more than 35 years. That's one area um, so that people know and have clarity um, as much as planning can be about saving money and using opportunities, which we strongly believe in. It's giving clarity, saying it with these worst case scenario, how will it affect me? Maybe it won't for some people. Some people it might on your spending plans. You need to make sure you're okay before you do some of that discretionary or gifting or whatever you want to do, but um, not knowing puts you, um, a lot of people don't can't make any decision and put off things that they could have done. And the estate planning team offers a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. And we have both hourly and comprehensive retainer fees. And if you're interested in scheduling a free consultation, you can call 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or you can visit our website financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. Right. So if you're worried about Biden inflation, or you're worried about the burden that a five trillion dollar spending spree by the government is going to do to inflation, and maybe you don't agree with. Fed Chairman Powell, who's saying this is transitory. What do you do? Well, you can sit home and worry about it. Or you could just maybe say, I can never retire. Or if you're already retired, I guess you could say, I can't take that, you know, riverboat cruise, I guess. Or I can't help my children out or perhaps my grandchildren. Or you can sharpen your own elbows and mm-hmm. you know don't ask your neighbor what if if inflation is going to bother them you know maybe you ought to figure out if it's going to affect your plan right and that's so you but you need plan a first right mm-hmm. you need you need a good base and then you can run different scenarios different models saying well what if like you were explaining the client at the beginning of the show carrie that they're saying let's build in a higher inflation for the next few years and they said it may not happen they don't know but that would give them peace of mind because they want to do some gifting they want to go away from winter you know would like to do winter getaways and maybe stay longer than a couple weeks um right now as i said cpi came out this week and it's what the, the it, it didn't come out that much away from expectations, but what, what key was not necessarily the year over year rates, but the rate of acceleration. That's what declined from the previous month. So that's what's uh, that's kind of backing up. What, that should be reassuring for some people, right. maybe. And and that's what Fed Powell is saying. That's what he expected to see. And so we'll see if that continues. Um, now. But, of course, the Fed doesn't use CPI, Carrie. They look more at what's called the PCE, or the personal consumption expenditures, which is it's another measure of inflation. We won't get that until, we won't get the July numbers on that, I think, until August 27th. Okay, and, then, and that's when the PCE comes out. And actually, the Fed relies more on that. And the difference is um, the PCE price index measures the change in prices for all consumption items, not just those paid out of pocket by consumers. For example, the weight of health care in the PCE reflects what consumers pay out of pocket for premiums, deductibles, and co-payments, as well as costs covered by employer-provided insurance. So that's one that, that again, I, you know, so we'll see how those numbers come out. And when, and as we start getting what the insurance the health insurance companies are are asking states to to approve their premium increases when we get when Medicare comes out and says what are the Medicare premiums going to be we'll mm-hmm. certainly keep everybody posted on those um, and you know and so who do you believe right so I heard one analyst this week on Bloomberg carries a it, you know to believe when you know you're hearing that inflation is transitory. Mm-hmm. He said it's analogous to what they were saying 13 years ago when they said the subprime risk is contained. Mm. Well, wasn't that a little misstatement? Because mm. actually, the the Great Recession, the subprime risk wasn't exactly contained. Right. Um, all right, Carrie. So what we want to talk about next? So, we, so on, you know, we've been talking about IRAs and Roth. And Roth. And. 
I want to continue on that. Last week I didn't quite get to. So last week on this show, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. You can get those. Uh, Carrie, how do you get those podcasts? You can go to financialfoodforthought.com and there's a little button that says podcast. There you I'll go. send you the link. Easy as pie. Yeah. Um, now, so last week I talked about the backdoor Roth contribution. And what I didn't get to, which I started to get to this week, was what I call the barn door Roth contribution, mm-hmm. or often referred to as the mega backdoor Roth. Right. Right. So I want to talk about that. But before that, there, there's also, there's a lot of confusion about Roth rules. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I always say, Carrie, I'm not here to defend the logic, fairness, or simplicity of the U.S. tax codes. Just here talking about the rules. Okay. And that's why I always uh, say that's why you need a good coordination of effort between your advisors. So, in other words, if you're planning on backdoor Roth contributions or what we're going to talk about, barn door, which is done through your 401ks, all right, you need a good coordination. That means not only the uh, the, the plan administrator, it, it could also mean the investment advisor who may be the same person. They may not be the same mm-hmm. person, Carrie, right? Right. Um, certainly your tax preparer, because they better know what you're trying to do uh, and your may perhaps your financial planner, mm-hmm. you know, who's saying, yeah, does the budget, you know, is this something that makes sense for you to do and how do you budget for it? So lack of coordination of advisors is what winds up a lot of taxpayers in tax court mm-hmm. because they didn't cross the T's or dot the I's. But what's but that's the idea that okay that's the worst case but what may be even worse than that Carrie is is taxpayers who don't even are so confused or intimidated by the rules they don't even look for these opportunities mm-hmm. that may be a bigger crime right especially if the, all these bills get passed and tax rates go up. Right. So, so one of the rules about, you know, Roth IRAs and getting tax free money from Roth IRAs is what we say the five year holding period. Okay. Meaning that you can't get your earnings out tax free until it's been in there for five years. Mm-hmm. All right. Earnings tax free. Right. Now there are two five year holding periods. One for Roth contributions. Mm-hmm. And another rule for Roth conversions. Okay. All right. And so you have to understand both if you intend on doing both. All right. Now, there's also special rules about getting money out of Roth IRAs if you're below age 59 and a half. I'm not going to deal with that on the radio today because I only have an hour. I was going to say you run out of time. Yeah. So if you're below 59 and a half and want to get money out of Roth IRAs, you need to come in for a consultation mm-hmm. or make sure you're coordinating because we're not talking about that scenario today. Okay. Now, we're assuming that you're over 59 and a half when you want to take money out of a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. All right. Now, so the first, so the first five-year holding period, which most people know about, is the once-only for Roth IRA contributions. Mm-hmm. Okay, meaning that there is only one five-year holding period. When if you if you have a pattern of making Roth IRA contributions, you know year over year over year, you only have to be worried about one five-year holding period. And and so that's why a lot of times you'll hear the recommendation, even if you're not in a position where you could max out the Roth IRA contribution, do a dollar right now. Just get a Roth IRA open. Do a dollar contribution so you get the five-year holding period going. Right. Okay. Um, Now, and so that's pretty straightforward. What people don't understand is that, um, you know, well, let let me spend a little time on that because sometimes the five-year, you know, so... So the five-year rule essentially states that five tax years must pass from when the first contribution is made to any Roth IRA. 
until a qualified distribution. A qualified distribution in tax lingo means that you're getting all the money out tax-free. Okay. You know, the earnings. That's a qualified, okay. Uh, and that you're over 59 and a half in, in, in what we're talking about today. Um, now, now, as you know, Carrie, you have until really April 15th or tax filing to fund the previous year's Roth IRA, right? Mm-hmm. So when does the five-year begin? If let's say you waited until April of 2021 to make your 2020 Roth contribution. Okay. Well, actually, it, it, it assumes that even though you did it in April of 21, it actually assumes that you did it in January of 2020. Okay. And the five-year counts for that first year. Oh, so that's a, what, 15, 14 months? Yeah. So it actually... It, the, Accelerates the, it. Yeah. It's, it might not even be five calendar years until you can get the earnings out tax-free. Right. Um, now, and 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 again, it's the same thing. Whether you, it doesn't matter if you have a Roth IRA set up at Custodian A and another Roth IRA set up at Custodian B, and these are count for contributions. It doesn't matter. You don't have to commingle. I mean, you, they don't. You don't have to be all in one Roth IRA. It's just as long as you've got the one five-year holding period, you're good to go on all your Roths. Okay. All right. Now it's a different five-year rule. For Roth conversions. Okay. Um, and it's separate from the contribution rule. Now, the the for the conversions, and you know, my understanding of the law is that every time you do a conversion, you're creating a new five-year holding period. Okay. Different from the contributions where you only have one five-year holding period in your in your lifetime. All right. So that is much more confusing. Right? Because a lot of our clients, the idea is they are planning on doing multiple Roth conversions. You know, the idea that right. they're figuring we're helping them figure out every year how much room they have on their tax return to do a Roth conversion where they're maxing out one of the thresholds. The mm-hmm. common example is we've had many over the decades, we've had many clients come into us already in retirement, not not at required minimum distribution age yet, which is now 72, you know, under the Secure Act. And yet they're they're not taking any money out of IRAs. Because they said, I don't need it or I have enough in my checking and savings. And they're in a zero tax reserve. bracket. Or even if you're in a 10 percent bracket, you need to be looking at those and taking it out. I know we had a client this year. She always is in a, we look for it. She needed the cash flow earlier. She can take about 12000 taxable from her IRA. Um, she wants to leave it because the positions are actually earning, but she needs it for cash flow because she had some expenses coming up and she's getting nervous. So she's going to take half now and do another half at the end of the year. Right. Or she's going to take half for spending and convert the half, but she's taking, you know, all twelve grand out tax-free you can't beat that you can't beat zero and that's an opportunity that goes away if you don't and i I think too mark when you were saying before minimum people don't realize what the effective tax rate is going to be once they take minimum required distribution especially if you have big iras and mega iras yeah and then you start doing those distributions people don't realize that tax it it's going to throw them maybe to a couple thresholds or even the next one it can cause their medicare b premiums um to go up you add that with interest dividends capital gains all of that people aren't aware of a problem right they don't know what they don't know that's that's what we sometimes call the required minimum distribution trap Mm mm-hmm Okay, and especially if you believe that income tax rates are going up in the future, mm-hmm. or if you just are accepting the fact that President Trump's lower individual tax rates in his 2017 tax act expire at the end of 2025, and may not be extended or made permanent mm-hmm. unless Republicans have enough control to make that happen, mm-hmm. and they might not. So in that sense, everybody's tax rates could be going up in 2026. So this is this window of opportunity that we've been talking about on this show for decades. You know, the idea that if you're retired and before RMDs begin, do you have, are you in a good tax bracket where you can trigger some of these maneuvers? All right, set yourself up 
for a, a, a efficient distribution of IRAs in retirement. It gives you more net spendable dollars. Um, now, so let's see here. Um, yeah, so unlike the five-year rule for contributions in case of conversions, each conversion amounts has its own five-year time period. This is out of Treasury regulation. Here's for the Treasury regulation. If you want to look it up, 1.408A-6, Q&A 5C. And then you can see some IRS examples of that. So that can be really intimidating, saying that, wait a second, Mark, you tell me if I do a conversion this year and next year and in the following year, I've got to keep track of all. Does that mean I have to keep all these conversions in separate Ross? No, it's not saying that, but I kind of on paper, you have to keep track of it. All right. Um, but now we get to the idea that some people say, well, that's really limiting because what if I need some of that money that I'm converting over to Roth? I don't think I'm going to need it, but what if I do? I, I can't take anything out for five years? No. No. Again, assuming you're over 59 and a half, we're limiting today's uh, discussion up for those folks. No, because when you convert your IRA to Roth IRA, you're paying taxes on the amount that you're conversion. That becomes your after-tax basis in your Roth IRA. You can get that out anytime tax-free because you've already paid taxes mm-hmm. on it. And the, and the law allows you to get your basis out first. It's just that you, you, it doesn't want you taking any earnings out till they've been in there for five years. All right. Um, so, and we also now we're seeing that Roth 401ks are getting more common now, Carrie, right? More and mm-hmm. more company plans are allowing those. And, you know, there's different rules about there. I mean, generally, yes. If, if you've got a, a Roth 401k, that you're funding during your working years, there's only one five-year holding period. Okay. But if you have, uh, if you're working for company A and, and started a Roth and then you switched companies, you go to company B and start a new Roth 401k, that would start a new five-year holding period. Okay. Unless perhaps you, you know, but then you may be able to roll your old 401k into the new 401k and then just, you know, kind of be subject to that. Um, so there are special rules on the five-year holding periods when you're doing 401ks. So you have to kind of know those rules. Mm-hmm. And these are things we try to help coordinate with our clients when they're starting to thinking about doing those things. Um, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. Karen, am I forgetting anything about five-year holding periods? Well, the mm-hmm. other one is at death. All right. Um, and... Yeah, so so generally, if you're dying, and, and let's say you, you did a Roth conversion and died the next year. And in death, I'm saying, Carrie, not where there's no spousal rollover. You know, it's right, because a spouse can do a spousal rollover and assume it is their own. You're yeah. talking non-spouse beneficiaries. Right, okay. Um, and we know, even though in a Roth IRA, if it's your Roth IRA, you don't have a required minimum distribution. It's Correct. one of the benefits. But if you're leaving it to a non-spouse beneficiary, they're still, you know, controlled by a Secure Act, which says they have to get the Roth IRA out within ten years. Which isn't a big deal because they don't pay taxes on it, unless the five-year holding period isn't done. Okay. All right. Um, so, if, for example, in my scenario, you made a Roth contribution and died the next year, obviously you haven't met the five-year holding period. Right. Okay. Then And if the beneficiaries, now they wouldn't have to take out money in the first year. Remember, right. in that 10-year, there is no RMD requirement. You don't have to prorate. You don't have to divide the total by 10 years. It's right. just you could really, in theory, not touch it for nine, let it grow, and pull it all out in the 10th year. Or wait those five years and pull it out at six. Yes, you got it, Carrie. So, so you, because if, there, if the five-year holding period hadn't been met yet, and the non-spouse beneficiary decided to take money out to buy the you know new boat, okay? Then they may be you know have to pay taxes on that. Mm-hmm. Now they they won't be subject to like the early withdrawal penalty, right? Even if you know if the if now the, would they have to pay taxes on the contribution because in theory, if I already converted it or uh, well, the, assuming you by the time you die, the five year contribution holding right. period you've met, okay. 
I mean, theoretically, it would be the same thing right. if, if you contributed right. to a, a Roth IRA and died the next year. It would be okay. the same thing. Yeah. Um, so so th- those are some of the rules about the five-year holding periods. And, and if so, if you are doing multiple Roth conversions, you want to be aware of how you want to create a, a system, how you keep track of it on paper. And just, you know, and, and, and that's why when we are working with clients and we're working with their CPAs and working with their Roth custodians and their investment advisors, we kind of say, okay, are we keeping track of this? And are we not put, you know, and if we ever thought that the client would need more than the basis that they're putting in to a Roth IRA in the next five years, I mean, chances are, we're not going to recommend they do it anyways. Right. Because that's the value of the Roth is to leave it there to grow income tax free. But certainly if they needed that, they could get out their contribution without penalty or taxes. Um, You can, these are the things that we look at for our clients and this fall we'll be gearing up for our clients to look at Roth conversions and IRA distribution planning, even if you need it for spending and not converting it. I mean, so if you own these assets, you need to be as proactive as possible. And that's true whether you're working or already in retirement. A lot of people working aren't sure how much they should put into a company plan versus Roth and just looking at your um, effective tax rate now and into the future in coordination with your existing tax preparers, or in many cases our clients do that on their own um, through the software. But you can take advantage of a free no obligation consultation and see how we're different. We're traditional financial planner numbers crunchers. And again, we offer that free no obligation, no pressure consultation again by phone or in person. Leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday morning. If you're calling us or send an email through the website and you will get a response, that's 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And listen to Mark Don and Carrie Waddell. And we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, Carrie, more, I would say, not maybe not over the earlier decades, but certainly the latest decade, we've been helping more and more clients get on board with the mega backdoor Roth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Now this is dealing with your 401k plans, right? Because as you know, if you're you're talking about Roth IRA contributions, it's very limited. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're over 50, the most you could do is 7,000 per year, right? But in the mega backdoor Roth, what I'm calling the barn door Roth, you can get a lot more money into that uh, annually into that Roth mm-hmm. IRA. And it's it's a again, it's you got to make sure you understand and cross the T's and dot the I's. But basically, so the rules of our very complicated tax code, see, because there's a maximum that you can put into these qualified plans. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for 2021, I, I believe that maximum is like $58,000, right? Now, everybody's more familiar with the maximum that you can put into your 401k plan. Right. You know, so again, if you're under 50, that would be 19500 If you're over 50, you could do a 6500 catch-up. So 26000 Which you get to $26,000, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, but let's just say, um, so, but... What about this excess? You know, it, let's just stay with the fifty-eight thousand, and let's say let's back out the nineteen-five, which is the tax pre-tax contribution you could make. That still leaves thirty-eight thousand five hundred carry right mm-hmm. of what we call this excess contribution room. Now, not all four hundred one k plans allow for this, but a good percentage of them do. And we're seeing more and more, you know, offer them or offer this is it, do they allow you to make contributions for that excess amount in your 401k? Now, you, it's not pre-tax. You've already maxed out your right. pre-tax, you know, at the 19.5. It's this additional 38.5 that you're putting in. You're, it's after tax. Right. So you need the cash flow to do it. Right. And you get no current tax benefit. Right. But now it's going in as after tax. And there was a there was a favorable IRS ruling back in 2014, which really opened the door to do these barn door Roth. Mm-hmm. All right. 
or the mega Roth is a back mega backdoor Roth that's sometimes referred to. And in 2014, the IRS, you know, clarified that um, when transferring money from your 401k into your IRAs, you can easily divert the pre-tax portion of your 401k and all the investment growth to your traditional IRA and the after-tax portion to your Roth IRA without paying any tax. So the idea is, you you know, it's the idea of doing the 401k rollover, you know, where you're taking your pre-tax, you know, your tax-deferred money in your 401k and you're rolling it to your IRA. You don't have to pay taxes on that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's an added advantage if you've got this pre-tax after, you know, the, this um, money sitting there, you can, you can separate that. And you can say, okay, this was what I contributed, excess contributions. I already paid tax on it. I want to not roll that into my IRA. I want to roll that directly to my Roth IRA. And I don't know, I don't have to pay any taxes on that because I already paid taxes on it. So now I'm putting into something instead of generating interest, dividends, capital gains, I'm putting it into a asset or a pot of money that whatever asset, you type of asset that's going to grow tax-free. Right. Or instead of rolling it all to an IRA, meaning all the future earnings would be taxable. Right. You're creating this tax-free pot of money. All the future earnings. uh, Yeah. Not even capital gains carry. I'm saying if you roll it to an IRA, all the future earnings and capital gains are taxed as ordinary income. Right. Ordinary income. And subject to required minimum distribution. I was thinking of whatever position it was in. Yeah. But now now what we're doing is we're moving that basis directly into the Roth IRA, all future earnings are going to be tax-free. So that later on that you have pots of when you're creating that income, you pull some money from the IRA, you pull it out of the Roth. So if tax rates go up, you're in a better position to make those moves when you need the money to cover your expenses. Now, ideally, it's also a big benefit if your company allows in-service withdrawals. Okay. Meaning that you can make this maneuver without having to sever employment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could still be working for the company, making these excess contributions, and immediately that same year, so to speak, moving them out into your Roth. You see, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and that, not, not, so now you're getting those tax free earnings even quicker. If your company plan allows, for not only the excess contribution concept, but also allows in-service withdrawals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but it's still, let's say your company doesn't allow in-service withdrawals. You can still do this maneuver. It's just that you can't do it until you leave the company. Okay. All right. Now that's where you're going to have earnings on those excess contributions. Hopefully right. you're going to have earnings on those excess contribution made, but that's where the IRS notice says you can d- distinguish the two. So you roll your earnings into a, a, a traditional IRA with no taxes, and then you roll your excess contributions, your cumulative excess contributions, directly into your Roth IRA with no tax. So how many people with this great resignation aren't taking advantage of that? Well, so, so here's the thing. To me, it sounds great on paper, right? Right. But it's a big cash flow cut because you have to have, it, it assumes you're already maxing out your 401k Tax, right. you know, contributions, and do you still have money left over in your cash flow to put away? Some people will, some people won't. Right, but it doesn't mean you have to do all thirty-eight thousand. I was going to say, what if I can do five thousand? Absolutely, two thousand, one thousand. Right, and because again, if you are, as you said earlier, was it a dollar? <laughs> I don't know well, if it's that, worth that. That work. was for the get the Roth right. contribution. But the idea too is because if you're at these levels. Um, chances are you can't make Roth IRA contributions normally anyways because of the the... income limits. Mm -hmm. All right. Remember, if you are uh, the phase-out for Roth IRA contributions, you know, for 2021, married filing jointly is at 198,000. Starts being phased out. For a single person, it's 125,000. So, yeah, so it's, it's for that group. That, and that's why I don't talk, to, you know, that's why I said it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if it fits you, and, you, know, you, in other words, you don't ask your neighbor if they're doing, you know, barn door Roth contributions. They'll probably look, he's like, what? Right. But, but if you think you may be in those positions, again, that first of all, your company allows the excess contributions. That's the mm-hmm. first step. Two, 
It's especially um, you, you think you've got the cash flow. And, and a lot of times when we say our clients do this, Carrie, it is at the end of their career. In right. other words, they see light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. meaning their kids may be up and gone. Right, you know, which helps em- with cash flow. Yeah, they're empty nesters, <laughs> or at least the college funding is behind them. Um, and so they've got this excess cash, you know, and, and, and they may be in their peak earning years. All right. Um, and they're trying to build now a retirement. To, you know, because they're worried about, you know, Biden's build back better mm-hmm. and what tax rates may do in the future. And they're trying to get so it's and but they while they were working and raising kids, they couldn't do they didn't have the cash flow to do the Roth contributions. And so now in the last few years of working, it could work out very nicely. And more and more every year, we have more clients learning about this. And then trying to figure, but again, you need a good financial plan built before you just say, hey, Mark, can I afford to do this or not? Well, I don't know either until we build your plan. You know, you, you may think you can, you know, because there could be other reasons why you may not want to do this, Gary. In other words, if, if it, it depends on what you think your tax rates will be or how long you are away from retirement. There's other things that would make why you may want to do it or may you you may not want to do it. But you should have analysis, no jump on something. You know, a lot of people hear about a concept and say, oh, that's good. And they just go ahead and do it. And every situation is different. And it's not just looking at the impact today. It's looking at the impact down the road. And so that's and and. So that is a and, and to get it done. So not only, you know, first you've got to say, OK, am I a candidate perhaps to do a mega backdoor Roth contribution? Um, OK, two, then you then you get started. Then you then you have to, you know, talk to the plan administrator and make sure that it's available. As and not only again, not only that you can make the excess contributions, but also are the in-service withdrawals available? All right. And then you start asking them about the process. You know, how quickly can you do this? How much time do you have to do this? Does it have to be through payroll deduction? Mm -hmm. You know, the contributions, all that good stuff. And the idea is saying, all right, now and then also, though, you might want to coordinate with your, uh, you know, your your IRA custodian right, or your investment advisor to make sure he knows what you're trying to do mm-hmm. saying, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I, this is the, you know, so maybe he can help cross the T's and dot the I's. Mm-hmm. So this goes smoothly. And that may be the same custodian. You may, right. you may have your 401k at a custodian that you plan on opening up the Roth right. IRA or already have an IRA established. Um, and then your tax guy to make sure that they're on board. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the idea of saying, okay, it, it, is this does it make does this make sense from a long term tax perspective? All right, all right. Take advantage of a free consultation if you want to look at these issues and call the estate planning team at four four zero two three nine twenty ninety or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right, have a good weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.